This is Scaring is Sharing, if you couldn't tell by the theme song. That's right. It's the place where we share some scares with each other and you, the listener. Hello. Oh, yes. <laughs> Hopefully you guys already know what the deal is here, because I, I keep trying every week. I want to think of something snappy to throw in, something funny to start off with, but yeah, no. Just be you. Or just That's One me. thing I've learned in this lifetime, Jeremy, just be you. And you know what? Someone may be, be listening be. to this episode for the first time because they like this movie or that movie, whichever movie we have on the title, because we don't know right now. We're just starting it. Yeah, we just started. So you'll but they find... know before we know. Yeah, weird. God, that's <laughs> fucking trippy, man. It is. Uh... Well, anyway, I'm Jeremy Rusk. And I'm Brandy Joe Planbeck. Hello. And we're here to warp your fragile little minds. Oh, yes, we are. And your souls. <laughs> belong, <laughs> they belong to us now. So first off, I just have to say, I was watching some, like, a watch mojo horror, what culture, one of these YouTube channels that I watch, and they have lots of horror countdown yeah. things. And there was one that included something about the brood. Oh, it was like horror movies that have a deeper meaning than what you think or something like that. And the brood was on the list and they briefly, sh and you've seen it, right? Oh, I love the brood. So, and I've always been fascinated with it because once again, call back to like my seemingly favorite movie, Terror in the Isles. There were always scenes of like the little creepy kids in it. And it, I could not wait to see that movie. And yeah. when I finally did, I was like, oh, what in the actual fuck is going on? Because it is so fucking weird. Yeah. But they briefly show that scene in the school. And I just thought to myself, those children must be so traumatized. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I... like, they don't film it veiled. Like, the no. teacher gets murdered in front of all of these little children. And this is, like, the 70s when this is made. So there were no, like, sheltering these kids and putting them in, like, alternate takes so they're not really in the room and they think they're getting jelly sprayed on them or some shit. Like, they're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's got to be, like, I'm sure filming it, you have to be like, hey, child actors, like, this is make-believe. Okay, and go. Like, <laughs> you yeah. guys understand that, right? Now, I've, I feel overall filming is, and I don't know this, I haven't been on sets or whatever, but I feel like they probably do a fairly good job, especially with unions and things like that, of, like, protecting kids from seeing the things that it looks like they see in a lot of these movies. Well, I do understand that, like, on The Exorcist, for example, uh, with working with, you know, Linda Blair, since she was a child, then she, there was a, a child psychologist on staff uh, on set okay. when she was on set that would, you know, meet with her. Every, you know, every time she shot to make sure she was okay and all that and like not being well, traumatized good. by the production. she did so, all those lines, even if they didn't use her voice, they were still, yeah. they still used her. Yep. So they had like, uh, you know, the counselors on staff to be, uh, you know, at her disposal. I think it was in that William Peter Blatty documentary on Shudder. I mm -hmm. still can't, I can never remember the name. I feel like it has something to do with God or something like that. But it's about The Exorcist. And I think that they show some scenes of Linda Blair actually saying some of those lines that they mm -hmm. dubbed with Mercedes McCambridge, right? Yeah. Yes, correct. But they, like, show them with Linda Blair saying them, and it is so unnerving to hear a little girl saying some of those things i'm sure she's so good in that movie oh that movie is fantastic it's a masterpiece it, it really is i mean i think it still holds up i still think it's one of the scariest movies it's just so good it i just is. am always very impressed with little kids and scary movies that are very effective absolutely like the two that come to mind are that and Haley joel osment like those are the two that first come to mind for me when I think mm -hmm. of like the best child actors in scary movies. Yeah, they're both fantastic. And they both grew up to be fantastic performers as adults too, so. Love Haley Joel Osment now. Just like that kid who played Andy in Child's Play. What's his name? I can't remember. Oh, my 
friend Chris is going to kill me. But he is such a little, they're both little bears. That Andy guy and Haley Joel Osment. Oh, God, they're so cute and cubby. I love them. He turned into, too, like Haley Joel Osment, such a good performer for these, like, crazy guy roles. Like, he he popped back on my radar in recent years because it was... One of the two revival seasons of the X-Files, he had a great guest starring role in an episode where he was just this out of his mind, like veteran character. And it was fantastic. And and he had a bit part in season one of The Boys on Amazon, the superhero, the really dark and twisted superhero. I've heard it's really good. Joe watched at least the first season. And while I have the superhero fatigue, I've debated watching it because enough people have told me that it's good and I probably would like it. That is something you'd probably enjoy because as much as it's like it's more taking the piss out of superhero motifs like it's a a giant bloody farce on superhero stories so. Did you cream all over WandaVision? Uh, WandaVision was good. Uh, I'm actually enjoying the Falcon and the Winter Soldier more though. What the Uh, hell is that? Is that on Disney Plus as well? That's the next like Marvel miniseries on Disney okay. Plus because WandaVision, like I love those characters uh, and I thought it was bold of them to do a, if you know anything about the plot, they went with a real left turn. I watched the what, first three from episodes what you would, from what you would expect. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's weird and crazy, but Falcon and the Winter Soldier is uh, about those characters. Falcon and Winter Soldier, which are, you know, Captain America, like supporting characters, if you're unfamiliar with the wider Marvel universe, but that's a bit more traditional superhero, like action thriller that they're okay. doing with it. So it's fun. Did you see the others? I'm sure you did, right? With Nicole Kidman? Uh, she has the two little kids who have like the disease and they can't go out. I feel like sun. that's, I know, I, I like when I, for some reason in my mind, I can't really think of like the entire plot of the movie. Okay. Uh, other than uh, that they turn, wait, can we talk about that? I know they're all like dead or whatever. They're ghosts. <laughs> it's been like 20 years, so. Yeah, so that's a, that's a movie where like, I know I've seen it. I just don't remember it very well. I think well, those I two have... little kids were so good. And I, I don't think they've really done anything else. Alex Barclay, that is the kid's name from Child's Play. It just Got came it. to me. But anyway, I was just, I remember thinking they were so good, those two little kids. And they're remaking that movie, which like everyone... It's Wasn't it a remake, remake to it. begin with? No. No? It was oh. sort of Turn of the Screw-ish, oh, but not okay. really. I was going to say... Because she wasn't I knew- like a... A nanny. I felt like it was heavily inspired by something, at least. By Turn of the Screw. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. But it was its own thing. Got it. definitely had influences. But yeah, they're remake And just to remake something with like a a twist, like if they remade The Sixth Sense, like they would have to redo the twist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like it would have to be something else in order for it to have some sort of punch, I feel. Yep, where the kid is dead the whole time. Just literally yeah, switch I remember it. when the others came out, it was like the year or the year after The Sixth Sense because there sort of came that late summer thriller slot after The Sixth Sense and the others filled that like the next year or two years after. And I, it's sort of like you're going along and you're like, well, is it just The Sixth Sense? Because I've already seen this twist. And then it was sort of like it is, but it was a twist on that twist. <laughs> yeah. It's so brilliant, though. And Nicole Kidman, to me, has never been better. I think she's just so gorgeous and so good. And it's just so beautiful and eerie and sad. It's it's like my favorite mixture. It's one of those movies that I, if I recall, it was like at Friends. Because what year did that come out? Like, I want to say like early 2000s. Okay, so I was in high school when it came out, and that was one of those movies that I think, like, at friends' houses and stuff, it was on HBO all the time or some shit like that, so it was like a background. I remember seeing it a handful of times because it just kept playing on movie channels. It was 2001. Sure, okay, yeah. So that's probably why I don't remember it very well. I think it was a movie I, like, half-watched several times, like, while it was on TV at someone's house. And it's one of those real slow burns, which are typically not your favorite. Yeah, it could have been something like, this is probably why I only remember certain scenes. I was probably like, only seen parts of it. I don't know if I've Mm -hmm. seen the whole thing all the way through. So, And another movie in the vein sort of of the others in regards to there being two kind of creepy little kids and a woman in a weird house that would tie into our conversation last week of, or two weeks ago, of 
unpopular opinions mm-hmm. is The Lodge, which I hated so much. I saw it with my friend Rob and everyone else fucking loves it. That was a recent movie, right? Yes, it was the last movie I saw in the movie theater. Oh, wow. February of 2020. Hated it so much, but so many people love it. But Nico hit me up and he was like, I watched The Lodge. I hate that piece of trash. And I was like, me too. But it's a pretty unpopular opinion. Lots of people. No, yeah. I had heard nothing but rave reviews about it from like anything I know of the movie was everyone being like, it's great. So, well, I'm not going to assign it to you ever. So if you want to check it out, you're going to have to do that on your own. Maybe I will one day and we'll see. But speaking of my friend, Rob, who listens to our podcast, he mm-hmm. wanted me to bring up Shin Godzilla. Yes. Is this something you've seen? Yes. Because he wanted me to like recommend it to him. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's probably seen it. But he said that I should watch it. What is Shin Godzilla? Shin Godzilla is the uh, last... It was the most recent and so far the last uh, live action, uh, you know, Japanese produced Godzilla. Okay, so it came out after uh, the 2014 Godzilla that Legendary made that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there was like they made a deal where like Toho in licensing their characters out because they are really weird about having two live action series like going at the same time. They worked out a deal with like Warner Brothers or whoever it is that's the ultimate owner of the MonsterVerse movies, as they call them, where they're like, we're going to do one more and then we're not going to produce any Godzillas for a minute. And you guys and we're going to like help promote and co-produce your guys' American version. So King of the Monsters and Godzilla versus Kong that just came out. Uh, But Shin Godzilla was their like revamp of Godzilla had been dormant for a few years, the, uh, the series in Japan. Uh, so they did essentially what's a remake of the very original story, uh, but modernizing it uh, with, you know, it's forgetting everything else that ever happened of the series, like a reboot of a new Godzilla story, but it's him appearing for the first time in modern day. A retcon, uh, if you will. A retcon, if you will. And that Godzilla is he's pretty horrifying. Like they tried to lean more into a horror uh, mold with it. So it, it's okay. It's honestly, it's unpopular opinions. Uh, Everyone in the fucking world that's like a kaiju fan is like, it's the greatest Godzilla movie ever made. And I'm like, it's not. It just just isn't, but it's pretty good. Okay. And there's a lot of stuff in it that people were like, that was scary. That was weird that I thought was silly and bizarre. So, you know. Okay. It sounds like something I'd like to check out though. You you would definitely, I think you should check it out. It's definitely interesting. It's definitely worth a watch in the history of Godzilla. Okay. Um, But I'm kind of like, I'm I'm like a fan of well I liked the American the you know the legendary series the MonsterVerse those are good but it, for my Godzilla man I'm a big fan of him as like a superhero fighting other monsters so you're gonna have a hard time getting me away from like the '70s era even though they are very goofy and cartoonish and for kids like those are my sweet spot with Godzilla mm-hmm. so I love I love that stuff Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla Godzilla versus Gigan like those kinds of things I. I, I I love those. So they give you a boner. They do. They give me a kaiju <laughs> boner for those flicks. I'm like, this is everything I want. I love the silliness and the superhero. It's essentially Japan's superheroes are these kaiju kaiju movies. So kaiju cock. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I have a couple bits of horror news. Okay. The first one is I was reading about this new Blumhouse movie that's coming out that John Logan is it's going to be his directorial debut. And he wrote Skyfall and Spectre, which are the James Bond movies, right? Yes. Yeah. Like the two most recent. And he also created Penny Dreadful, that Showtime series. And he won Ooh. a Tony for his play Red. And he wrote the book for the musical of Moulin Rouge. And the movie's going to be called Whistler Camp. Like, I oh. like to whistle. I'm a whistler. Whistler Camp. But it's supposed to be a queer empowerment story set at a gay conversion camp. And I'm fascinated. That sounds interesting. Oh my God, I'm so in. I hope it's so good because I yeah. feel like that's a, a really cool story that could be told. So Absolutely. And I love horror with a serious dose of social commentary. Yes, it's all the Raj right now. Yeah, it is. But if you do it well, <laughs> it's it it transcends, it elevates the material. So Nico told me that them, that TV show we've talked about, that's Amazon Prime, that sort of looks like us. 
is getting really horrible reviews and I looked oh. something up and I just like put it in a Google search and yeah, the reviews are not coming back very pleasant. Uh-oh. I think I'll still give it a try and see mm-hmm. if it's any good. The other bit of horror news I have is Grady Hendrix's novel, My Best Friend's Exorcism. They've been talking about a movie for a long time and it's finally happening. And it is described the book as Beaches Meets the Exorcist. <laughs> Which, if ever a movie wanted to just stroke my ego, those Uh were put together. Do it. Um, But I'm super excited because Elsie Fisher's in it. She's a new little scream queen. You know, she was in eighth grade, which if you haven't seen that, it's an amazing coming of age film. Not a horror movie. But Mm -hmm. she was really great in the second season of Castle Rock. And then she's going to be in the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And now my best friend's exorcism. So I'm super excited about that. That's going to be cool. Have you got any horror news in this past week? No, no news. No news that I recall. Did you seeing. watch something? Watching wise, it's going to be a little more like horror adjacent, or I think horror fans would be into it if you also like cartoons. Uh, I have been revisiting yet again. I've already watched the series a couple times through, but yet again, I am watching Gravity Falls, which was a Disney uh, series oh. from years ago. It's funny because I'm like, it's ostensibly for children. You know, it was meant to be a children's cartoon, but it's so well written uh, and just so referential to like tons of not, you know, children's material that uh, it's got a huge cult following of nerds like me. But essentially it's about uh, two, they're twin siblings, boy and a girl, Mabel and Dipper. And the story, it's two seasons that take place over one summer where they go to stay with their great uncle uh, in Gravity Falls, Oregon, uh, where he is the owner of a mystery, it's the Mystery Shack. So it's one of those roadside oddities plays. Uh, and while they're there, Dipper discovers this journal that's got all these writings about the weird creatures and supernatural entities that live in Gravity Falls. And there's a larger mystery with all kinds of weird stuff going on there. So and it's inspired a lot by like Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks for kids, essentially. Oh. Okay. Yeah, is uh, or the X Files or things like that, but aimed at kids, uh, but still funny enough that you know it's it's just so good, so much heart, very funny, and there's a lot of just you know pastiche and spoof of uh, science fiction and horror and all the things that we love, you know. It's on Disney horror, Plus. Horror, horror Jason. Yep, the whole thing's on Disney Plus. How many uh, seasons are we talking? Just just two, and each one is like twenty episodes. Okay, uh, and and it was by design. The creator of the show, Alex Hirsch, I think is his name. He had a finite story, so this is his full story that he wanted to tell. He wraps it all up, so in the two okay. seasons, so you get one whole, one whole story. Uh, and if you like cartoons, you know, it's it's good stuff. Did you ever watch um, Johnny? No, the guy with the the gem in his belly. Is that uh, Steven Universe? Yes. Have you ever watched Steven Universe? I've seen episodes here or there. It's one that I've been meaning to sit down and watch the whole thing because I am. Okay. I'm also a cartoon guy. One of my many fandoms. I love animation and cartoons uh, and especially like cool adventure cartoons like that. So I've been meaning to check out Steven Universe and everyone says it's like so good. So so good. So unique. I watched the majority of what I've seen while on acid so it's Uh, kind of hard to watch it now uh (laughs) um but i remember it being amazing there's some incredible music numbers the animation's very cool it does some really unique things in regards to characters and gender and things like that it's just really cool and i've always wanted to go back because i didn't finish it and I'd like to watch it all. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just a little bit difficult, <laughs> just because I watched large chunks of it under Le influence. Uh-huh. So, you know, but um, it seems like something you'd love. And I think the episodes are like fifteen minutes long. So and I think it's on Hulu. So you can yeah, that. it's out there somewhere. It might be on HBO Max now at this point because I know a lot oh. of the I know a lot of the Cartoon Network shows are all on there oh. since since they are owned by Warner Brothers, which owns HBO. Yeah. So yeah, that could very well be. I'll have to double check. I also wanted to just throw out there if I know last week we talked about the sort of exhaust of Zoom performances. However, my theater, The Ringwald, has a new show opening the day that this drops on April 16th, running through May 2nd. And it's a, a campy parody 
uh, of Murder, She Wrote called Murder, She Podcast, Baby, One More Crime, about the disappearance and possible murder of Britney Spears. Oh, topical. I know. If you want to check it out, theringwald.com, like Molly. Um, You can get some tickets. It's available through May 2nd. It's about an hour long. It was super fun to film it in person. And, you know, if you like that sort of thing, check it out. And if you don't, Fuck off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you don't, just don't watch it. That's okay. And our friend uh, Nick the Knife did some music for you. Uh, thank you. Yes, Nick the Knife, Nick Kastriba did. I wanted a sort of remix involving, actually, it was his idea. I wanted a remix of the Murder, She Wrote theme, but he knew what the plot was. And he said, um, can we like mix Britney Spears or Murder, She Wrote? And I was like, uh, yeah, why didn't I fucking think of that? Because <laughs> he did, because he's brilliant. And he like, within like less than 24 hours, threw me like three or four versions and was like, one of these, I'm like, uh, yeah, this is fucking incredible. So yes, thank you. Nick the Knife, you're the fucking best. And... Shout out because you're the coolest. And He's, yes, you hear his our, little remix twice. He will be our composer forever. Forever. Forever and ever. <laughs> you may not know this, but yes, we will haunt him for all time to make music. Oh, my for God. Us, so. And hopefully he'll haunt us as well. I would mm -hmm. accept with nothing. His, I mean, I would be so happy. Righteous tunes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Uh, Envious of his talents. That's not quite the right word because I'm not like envious, like green with envy. I'm more in awe, I should say. I'm in awe of someone who can just do what he does. It's so incredible. Yeah, he's so musically inclined that I'm like, he I is. mean, I have what little music ability I have. I'm just like, I can barely do anything. I'm so, <laughs> so envious of people that are just like really in command of their musical talents, inclinations. Yes, indeed. Well, shall we share our scares with one another? Yeah, let's share them. All right, you go on. You I go first me. this time. Oh my God, I've been sitting here like, I'm gonna give him this. No, I'm gonna give him this and I don't know what to give you. So what's gonna come out of my mouth today is I am going to give you a flick. It's horror adjacent. Hmm. Uh, it's called Seconds. And you know absolutely See, I, nothing about it. Absolutely nothing. And I was waiting to give to decide on what I was going to give you based on what you gave me because I didn't want to do like same genre or same era. And I have no idea what this is. But don't tell me. Can I give you um, a couple context clues? Uh, sure. Okay. It's it's from the '60s, so we're going back to the same era as Blood and Black Lace. It is American. Okay. It's more of a thriller. Uh, but it definitely has, there's some connection I want to talk about after you watch it to the horror world for sure. Uh, but it, it it's a thriller, 60s. John Frankenheimer directed it, who's, you know, a John name. Jenkin Jingleheimer Schmidt. Yeah, that's him. He's like, a, these days he's kind of a director's director where like you'll see a lot of, he did a lot of like action thrillers over his career, so. Okay. And he lasted from like he was directing movies for decades and decades. This is from earlier in his career, but he yeah uh, he he was around for a long time. All right, so seconds. Oh my seconds. God. Like how many? Like it's like sixty in a minute. It's kind of got like a couple of rep meanings. Okay, it's but, in that, the movie. but that's the word. Like that's 60 the words. Seconds. Like okay. the, yeah, seconds. But also, there's another meaning for seconds that kind of applies. To okay, you, so. stop telling me things. I need to be more surprised. Okay, <laughs> but I plot wise, I'm gonna say that there's a killer. I think it's got. There's got to be a killer for it to be horror adjacent, just because I've never heard of this of it being like a monster movie. So I think that there's a killer. I think that a knife is used possibly a gun i'm gonna say that there's a man who's the lead because if there was a kick-ass female i feel like i would have heard of this but i'm gonna say women are getting killed i'm gonna say it's not particularly gory and i'm gonna say it's in black and white but i have no idea but that's what i'm gonna go with because it's around that time where it could go either way so i'm gonna say black and white a mysterious killer women mostly getting murdered knives maybe guns i don't have any idea what the if the or maybe there's bombs maybe that's where the seconds comes into play bombs bombs maybe there's a bomb <laughs> that's all i got that's what so i'm gonna go you're with. you're just going for broke here <laughs> <laughs> just throwing out a bunch of stuff and hopefully some of the spaghetti sticks to the wall or whatever that phrase yeah is. well uh i think you'll 
I think you'll be surprised by this all the way through. So. <laughs> well, then I'm going to go more contemporary with you. Mm-hmm. And based on last week, do you know what it's going to be? No idea. I'm going to give you Oculus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did talk about that. We did. O- Oculus. I remember when this came out where I was working at the time. I remember a coworker of mine seeing it and then telling me it was really good and I should see this movie, <laughs> but never got around to it. I know it has the lead is the gal. She was in Doctor Who for a long time. Uh, Karen uh, Gil- Gillian said how you say that Jillian? We talked about know. it in the last episode. I wasn't sure if it was Jillian or Gillian. Jillian. Oh yeah, that's right. We did. Uh, I know she's in it. It has something to do with a mirror, like Oculus, like vision stuff. And like, there's a mirror and all the advertising. What I remember from the trailers, I think there's like ghosts in mirrors or some shit and they come out and they possess people. Maybe there's some killing. There's gotta be some killing, some stakes going on. They could die because these spirits are possessing people and doing nefarious shit. And hilarity ensues, as always. As always. Fun for the whole family. That's what I think. (laughs) I think they got to figure out how to stop these mirror ghosts from killing people. Okay. That's what I think it's about. So. All right. Well, we'll be back in just moments to talk about them. Moments from now, you will hear what we have to say. And if you need to pause and go watch them, just go to our link tree. If you don't have access to them yourself, check them out. Do it. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. We're back from the void. Back from the dead. Jeremy, it looks like your beard has grown tremendously since we last talked. It's uh it's getting real long i don't know what's going on no it's great but it's just i saw you just mere days ago yeah yeah i'm getting real beardy (laughs) i don't know what's happening i like it yeah my wife doesn't so (laughs) (laughs) come on sarah get with the game it looks good i try my beardsmanship is uh you know just gets better with age and that's that's something something i love so one thing that gets better with age. That's right. Well, guys, we've returned. Your your here suit horror hosts. Your what? Here suit. I don't know what that means. Means hairy, covered in hair. Ooh, love it. It's gonna be like my new the here suit horror. Yes, right. Your here suit <laughs> horror host. Except my beard's pretty soft, actually. It's not very coarse. Mine typically is, but since I've been back to swimming, almost all of my hair is a little bit coarser. No matter what kind of shampoo or whatever I use, it's yeah, just it's that, the chlorine. Cl- that chlorine treatment. Yeah. So let's get into it. Yeah, I guess I go first, right? With you sure do. With seconds, uh, and so I'm looking at the uh, letterbox right now, and it's got like. You'll have to bear with me. There's this whole chunk that I'm like, this is copy for like a radio ad or something as like the tagline. Uh, And then there's the description. So here we go. I'm going to read all of it. Who are seconds? The answer is almost too terrifying for words from the bold, bizarre bestseller. The story of a man who buys for himself a totally new life. A man who lives the age old dream. If only I could live my life all over again. A secret organization offers wealthy people a second chance at life. The customer picks out someone they want to be, and the organization surgically alters the customer to look like the intended person, stages the customer's death, gets rid of the intended person, and the customer takes on a new life. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, that just does a explanation of kind of part of the mechanics of the story, but barely even gets into it. I think it's pretty good. But I have lots of questions. Sure. I guess. Well, first of all, it's a really cool movie. And I mean, I was so right on with what I thought it was going to be about. So, <laughs> Oh, man. When you were talking, say. I was trying to contain myself because I was like, he is so far off. <laughs> that, like, he like, has no not idea. Not the even The only close. thing I got right was that it was being black and white. So That's it. That's all you got. It is just such a weird movie. And I realized, looking through all of his credits, it's the first Rock Hudson movie I've seen ever. You know, I'm not sure I've all, I, this might be the only one I've seen too. Like off the top of my head, like I know he's an old Hollywood star and 
somewhere in there on like Turner classic movies. Cause my dad watched that like endlessly. I'm sure there was something else I've seen with him in it, but off the top of my head, I, this is all I'm familiar with. Like it starts off and the, the version I watched was the criterion. So it looks just gorgeous. Okay, good. And that's the, like, that's restored with some cut stuff oh. that was put back in. Oh, so. it looked so good. Yeah. Good. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? I love it already because the opening credits are just the coolest. Oh, it's so like unnerving. The extreme close-ups of the eyes and the yeah. the fisheye fish distortion. So it's one of those movies where you're like, I'm not really sure what's happening. And then it's like, oh, it kind of just feels like a Twilight Zone episode until there's like naked people stomping on grapes. And then you're like, oh, I'm not in Twilight Zone episode anymore. Yeah. Like, I mean... It's still weird, but you know, you don't see boobs on old Twilight Zone episodes and mm -hmm. butts. I don't, I think I may have seen a peen like for a second. Yeah, there was one or two in there for like split seconds. For seconds, if you yeah, will. Seconds. But I definitely saw some boobs and like full frontal female. Yeah, FFF. that's, that's kind of like that. That's the stuff that was all cut when this originally oh, came out. All that nudity that was, was cut out uh, and then they restored okay. it. And I understand too, like that seems like a little wild to be having people. Uh, Cause you think about it in a modern context, you're like, that seems a little questionable to be having a bunch of naked people climbing on top of each other for this movie scene. Yeah. But I, but I guess they filmed like a real, that was like a real nudist colony or something like that. Like that was an event that okay. was going, going to happen anyway. And they just got in there and shot it for the movie. Some sort Stomp of those grapes. Stomp those yeah, grapes. For some kind of Bacchanalian, you know, mm -hmm. celebration. They, they got hooked up with some commune and just filmed it. But I would not drink that oh, like no. they did. No, no. <laughs> like, I'm sure those people all had not showered like that. No. Yeah. Okay, so here are my questions. Okay. And I mean, the plot description pretty much, you know, gives it away. But if you haven't seen it, you might want to go see it. So I understand like what happened with our lead guy with Hamilton, Arthur Hamilton, right? And he got turned into Wilson. Yeah, he became Rock Hudson. And like, I guess where my confusion comes in, which I'm fine with, I'm just like, maybe you can help me. And that description sort of brings it up. And I was like, wait, now I'm a little bit more confused. So Wilson was a real person because like that guy recognized him in the airport and was like, oh, Wilson, hey, what's yes. up? Yes. But I thought that description just made it sound like Hamilton chose Wilson. But that didn't happen, right? No, they no. chose for him. They chose for him. But they weren't like, you're going to be taking over someone who's alive, who's been alive already. They didn't tell him that. They're just like, you get a second chance. We're That's it. Yeah, exactly. It. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's what they're clandestine you know they, he very well could have been a guy that also had another chance that they just recycled to get rid of like at the end okay. of the movie so that's what i was wondering but they never yeah. tell you who wilson was where he went like no. the real wilson okay no. okay no. i didn't know if i missed it somewhere in the shuffle no i think the closest they get is i seem to remember because you know this is again I, I this is a movie you can watch many times over and still be grabbing information out of it if i remember i think there's a bit of dialogue where they say wilson had like he was an orphan and both of his parents are dead and you know there's just he has no family around so it was easy to snatch okay you know, him and turn him and just give him over to somebody else but like the real wilson was an artist yeah and then hamilton had like artistic dreams or yeah. something right because yeah, when he goes back to his house he's like talking like do you sell yeah. my paintings or whatever yeah. or like yeah your husband's paintings okay but he hadn't really talked about that before had he no there's there's a there's a bit in there where they talk about they had him like under hypnotic regression or something like that or with the truth mm. drug treatment truth serums and stuff when he's in the twilight state and doesn't you know when he finds out you know they had him assault that woman so they could blackmail him to never go back to his old life. Mm -hmm. But somewhere in there, they're like, yeah, when you were under, you talked about art and how badly you wanted to be an artist and never got to do it. So that's why we're giving you this life based on your subconscious like feelings. And the music was so good too. I loved the music. Oh, it's got an incredible score, doesn't it? It really does. It's just, it feels so ahead of its time. And even if it was done exactly like that now, that it would still be so cool and unique Yeah. after all this time. 
Yeah, this is one of those movies that I feel like is unremakeable. Like there's, this is so a product of its time and just such great craft that I'm like, don't ever try to redo this. Like, cause the original's too perfect. Well, I don't we have face off. I mean, we don't need. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> we, we get to suffer with, but you get face off. Like the sixties got <laughs> this movie that was just perfect for its time and place. But I'd literally never heard of it before. Obviously. Like yeah. I, mean, I had no idea what it was and that's just so crazy. And, you know, and it's not like a true horror film because, of, of course, I went horror adjacent on this one. It's really more of a like a science fiction thriller. I enjoy the phrase paranoia thriller because that's really yes. what it is, is. I heard that. I read that somewhere in regards to it, because you could say sci fi. But like when I think sci fi, for the most part, I think of, you know, UFOs yeah. in space. And, and I know it's more than that. I know Black Mirror is sci fi, but it just like. It it feels a little different. Absolutely. This feels like a, uh, th this definitely feels like something that informed Black Mirror. Like Black Mirror mm -hmm. is definitely drawing from this style of yes. film. Yes. Uh, and when you said Twilight Zone episode, that's what I was thinking too, rewatching it. I've seen this a few times now uh, and watching it this time. I'm like, it really does feel like a feature length Twilight Zone episode. And that's just, you know, it, it's just very well written. I was so confused for the longest time. Like why? would they bring this guy in and be like, hey, want to switch up your life? Look what we're going to make you do. And then you have to pay us to do it. I'm like, are they just looking for money? Like, I was so confused. And then you get to the end and it all sort of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. But like that, Charlie was his friend, right? Mm -hmm. That scene when he meets Charlie again, it moved me in ways I did not expect it to. Like that guy who played Charlie was so good and just the way he reacted to him and their conversations and he was like crying, but like not like, <sighs> like he wasn't like, mm -hmm. it was just like, I was like, what's going on here? There was so much beneath the surface, which is like the best acting is when you are fully informed as the actor of what all of this is very Meisner, which, you know, that whole film style, which is my favorite ever, because mm -hmm. it's like you as the actor flesh out everything that's going on and you know, and even if the audience never has an inkling of that from any of your dialogue, it just somehow translates because you know, like, so they just sort of, even if they don't fully know, they're more invested and involved and they, they don't need to know more because you know, completely mm -hmm. and that's how i felt in that scene i just there was so much not being spoken and it just moved me and for whatever reason i thought about recovery like addiction recovery in this like is there something to the hamilton character is sort of like trying to get away from his life and go on to this other life that's like better and it reminded me of like when people in addiction try to move mm. to a new place like they're like i'm gonna move away and things will be better in this new location but it's like you can't run from who you are it's gonna catch up to you it's gonna be the same eventually so it's like even though he turns into wilson and he has this new face and this new location and this new life it's still the same as it was before he's still not happy and there was also that scene where he got all drunk and that's where I started to like think about it for some reason. And then it just sort of ultimately, and I know that's probably not, I don't know this, but I imagine that's not necessarily what they were going for, but it's, and probably because, you know, I think about recovery all the time. It's probably just translated to me and it probably means a bunch of different things to a bunch of different people. But I think that's also part of what makes it so amazing. Yes. Yeah. And it's also a scene too. Uh, I didn't even think about it watching it, but I, it does hit me too drunk at the party uh, mm -hmm. in that way that like, I've been that guy. Like I literally, you know, lived that moment. So it does like, it hits like a ton of bricks when a scene does it, uh, especially like a movie because movies love to just make everything, you know, pretty and nice usually is what you want. And this, you know, he's sweaty and gross and spilling his drinks on himself. 
And it's so real and visceral mm-hmm. in that moment of what that's like to be like smashed out of your mind and just annoying the piss out of everybody around you. I'm like, yep, I live that, man. Like, oh, and this movie just does such a good job of being like, here it is, warts and all. This is what it looks like. So very real. I don't know a ton about Rock Hudson, but I mean, I know he was like closeted and mm-hmm. people didn't know he was gay or he couldn't really be out or whatever. So like with, in hindsight, after watching it, and of course I didn't know that already. That's like the one thing I knew about Rock Hudson and that he was dreamy because he is. But it seems like watch, if I were to watch it again, which I would like to, it's like, I want to watch it right now again, mm-hmm. which is such a fun feeling, but it's like, it seems like he must've been able to really use his own life and so much of what that character goes through. Sure. Yeah. A lot of scholars, uh, film scholars have picked up on that and critics, like you'll see a lot written about that, where it's like the double life of rock Hudson, like clearly, cause he, he sought this role. Uh, He wanted it. Uh, He wasn't like one of the actors that uh, the director, John Frankenheimer, was Mm. even considering because he thought, you know, he saw the name Rock Hudson when somebody, a producer, like threw it at him. And he's like, that guy's a lightweight. Like, he's not a real, uh, you know, actor. I need somebody that's a real actor. But somehow he met with Rock or something happened where he got convinced, like, no, this is the man to do it. So that's and he was perfect. So. And also speaking to the power of the movie, like. I never considered that Wilson was not Hamilton, like because they're two played by two different actors. But it really, I always felt like they were one and the same. Yeah, as they are. Like yeah. it doesn't feel like oh now we're into a new actor and it's he's someone different. Like it, it just translated over that they were the same person. And they also, uh, I, I read a thing too, where like Rock Hudson was like five inches taller than the actor that played wow. Hamilton. So they did a uh, good job of like hiding that or never like really showing you that there's now this huge height disparity uh, between them. So, And I love the scene with his wife, like the secondary scene was just so good. And it was just so weird, like that they were sleeping in separate beds, but then there was all that nudity. Like, I'm like, wait, is this like Leave it to Beaver where we can't be in like the same beds? But I guess maybe it was just a reflection on their relationship and not so much on the times. It was so cold. and Because that's like a real gut punch towards the end of the movie, too, is when he goes back as uh, Rock Hudson, as Tony, uh, to see his, uh, his wife. And she's pretty much like, yeah, he's gone, but I don't really care because like he was already dead while he was alive to me. So and you're like, wow, OK, like he thought he wanted to go back. And he's like, I guess I don't because nobody misses me. I mean, we've already sort of talked spoilers, but now I'm going to like really talk spoilers. So alert if you need to go out and watch us, which you should, you know, go to our link tree. You can watch it there if you need to. OK, I don't understand why they do what they do with him at the end when there's all those other people who are like waiting for another, another chance. Mm -hmm. Is it just because he's like, no, I guess I was like, why isn't he hang out in that room waiting longer? Why do they get rid of him? I, you know, I'm not sure either. I think part of it's just kind of the mystery of how this organization works. Cause you really don't get like, many details about oh i i guess that it's because he has no one else to recommend and i guess if it's like oh yeah if you can't continue the cycle you're you're out with the the bathwater or whatever that phrase yeah is that's really they don't need you as as yeah as i think it might be as simple as that it's just he couldn't mm-hmm. they're like we gave you a chance to bring somebody else into the fold you can't do it uh so our like trust in you is shaken as being committed to this organization. So, and that scene at the end, that's the most terrifying scene of this whole Uh, movie to me is the moment when he's on the gurney and the dude comes up and it's like, I'll be taking care of you. And he realizes it's a chaplain that's there to give him the last rights. And that's mm -hmm. the moment he realizes, Oh, I'm going to die. Like they're going to kill me. And you're like the terror that sets in right there is just like so visceral. Uh, it's yeah. just so well done. Yeah, it, I, I haven't seen it in a million years, but I reminded me in my head at least of Jacob's Ladder. Like yeah, just something like and just like all that sweat that was like behind him. Like I just, it had to have been real. Like there's like sweat all over like the pillow, and it's yeah. just like it's like it had to be real. It mm-hmm. was so scary and 
honest and all of it was just so real that whole that last part and it was horrifying yeah it's just brutal like all right there at the end and you're like and this is why i gave you this (laughs) a a scare to share is just it all comes crashing in at the end of the movie yeah now one thing that was driving me nuts because i went all over the internet trying to confirm this and i couldn't find anything i swore that i read once somewhere or saw it maybe in a video i don't remember but i had heard that toby hooper was a big fan of this movie uh and he saw it when it first came out uh and it was one of the things that informed the texas chainsaw massacre when he was developing that idea because he was really taken by the idea of the uh, being in an environment of paranoia where people are isolated, you're not exactly sure who to trust and what's actually going on around you in a situation that's bigger than you. Um, and then in a stylistic sense, he was really fascinated by the extreme close-ups of like faces and of eyes. And that's yes. why it. what I swore that I read is that's what inspired him to do that in Texas Chainsaw is you have these extreme close-ups of actors' faces and especially of eyes. So, and it can't, was informed by this movie. So I thought, mm. but I can't find anything anywhere on the internet to confirm huh. that. So if anybody out there knows what I'm talking about, does that sound familiar? Any other wannabe film scholars out there know more about Toby Hooper and his love of this movie specifically? Maybe you read it in a book. Maybe I did. I was trying to, um, I, I even jumped over to like my Kindle. On my Kindle, I had uh, a copy of that book, Shock Value. Oh, yeah. Which, which does cover Texas Chainsaw Massacre's making in detail in there, but I couldn't find that information that I thought I knew. Hmm. Or maybe I just made it up. Maybe I made you it up. You might have. But yeah, really cool movie. I don't even know how I knew about it. Like I discovered it a few years ago. I think I discovered it when Criterion was like, hey, we're putting this movie out because uh, I like to follow what they're releasing in the uh, the film news world to see, you know, because a lot of times it's hidden gems like this that I never heard of. And then I watched it and was like, this is incredible. So. And the director did the original Manchurian Candidate. Yes. Which, which is I've also never, I don't fantastic. Think isn't it like also a paranoia thriller? Yes. Right? It's also, yeah, very much a product of the Cold War, post-Korean War, like era of American politics. Is it Angela Lansbury? Yes. Okay, yeah. And she won an Oscar, didn't she? She is fucking tremendous in that movie. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've only seen the remake, which I thought was just so-so. I'm yeah, pretty they- sure I haven't seen the original. The, the original is, I feel like it would stick with you. If you had seen it, you'd know, because it's it's a powerful movie. I don't know if it's horror adjacent enough for me to assign to you, because that's a little more political thriller, but it's very mm-hmm. good. Very okay. good. Oh, I would like to backtrack too. Uh, Charlie, uh, that actor was Murray Hamilton, uh, who is a great character actor. He was Mr. Robinson in The Graduate. Hmm. Uh, and he was the mayor in Jaws that refused to close the beaches. So mm-hmm. great, uh, great character actor. Oh, so good. He just broke my heart. I loved him so much. Yeah, this so really, much. really is a movie that, uh, and again, like I said, the title too, Seconds. Not only is it Seconds, they get a second chance at life, but like I read a review somewhere, they're like, they use the phrase and, you know, he's sitting there just the seconds of his life tick away. And you're like, okay, there it is. There's the multiple meanings. Cause this is a movie about just the br- brutal, unforgiving nature of time and the passage of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, well, it's powerful, but good. Yeah. Great. And scary in that way that I feel like, you need a little bit of, you know, here I am saying we're old men now, but you need a little bit of life experience and have felt time moving on that like it really gets scarier. I think each time I revisit this movie as a little more life passes. So yeah, for sure. So out of five paintings that your ex-wife threw away, <laughs> your former <laughs> wife threw away, uh, how many do you give it? One. Oh, man. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I give it four. Awesome. Me too. Four. Flat four. Uh, And that's a scare of approval. Yeah, it sure is. It is. is. I feel like we need a bell to ring. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding. (laughs) Scare of (laughs) approval. So that means must watch, people. Must watch. 
must watch indeed check it the fuck out all right moving into the future oculus the letterbox tagline you see what it wants you to see and the description is a woman tries to exonerate her brother's murder conviction by proving that the crime was committed by a supernatural phenomenon. I love a nice, tight, concise description. I like those. Yeah, and that's pretty much what happened. This was a this was a trip, man. I had no idea what I was in for other than like mirror ghosts, which I got right. <laughs> you did. But other than that, I was like, I had no idea what I was in for. It started... This took some turns. Okay. It started and I felt myself feeling a little bit cynical uh, about it because I feel like there's something to these 20 teens horror movies where like they all look the same. Mm -hmm. uh, like they have a similar, cause I'm like this sinister insidious, uh, even something like the Babadook, like they all have this like similar look and I'm like, everybody must be using the same cameras and the same film stock or same, you know, lighting and techniques and stuff like that. So I'm like, so you could tell it's a 20 teens movie talking about comparing it to seconds where we were just talking about like how gross and sweaty and like all that stuff happens. That was my one gripe with this movie is everybody's too pretty and clean looking the entire time. Like I want some more sweat. and Except physical. I thought the little girl, I, I loved the little girl. I thought she was so, so good, but mm -hmm. I, I particularly enjoyed, like I thought her hair looked kind of frazzled and real, like as oh, they yeah. were just like hanging out in the house and stuff. And I did, she crossed my mind. I didn't think about how everyone else looks so pretty, but you're right. But I thought she looked very realistic with like, her hair kind of frazzled out a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Except for, you know, in the past when mom is like turned into a monster, but that's by design. But everybody's right. looking too. I'm like, they should be sweaty and gross and dirty and yeah. like falling around. Like I wanted a little more of that. That's my only gripe. Uh, the rest of this was like pretty good. Like it took a lot of turns and uh, that I wasn't expecting and I liked. There were moments where when you're when they're doing the pat the story in the past, Initially, I was like, this is getting a little too Amityville horror for me. Like, I've seen this before, like the ghost lady in the room and possession type stuff. But like, it gets weirder, which I like. Like, it takes those conventions, but it gets a little bit weirder with them, which is this whole like, the mirror is like creating an alternate reality. And I was getting real tripped out at the end where the past and the present are bleeding together into like one story. Uh, so yeah, that was wild. By the end of it, I was like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? This is getting crazy. I do love that. I kind of wish they're integrated a little more. Like I wish that like you find out that like the son from the future, like killed the dad. Like I mm. wish there were like, and when like the boy talked about like seeing the woman on the stairs, like I was hoping he was going to see like the older sister on the stairs later. And that's what we were going to be referring to. Like, cause mm. I love how they bleed, but I wish there would have been more like direct like, connection. Yeah. Like things from the past they talk about later, you find out, Oh, that was their future self. Yeah. Back then or whatever. But I do appreciate that. Like my, I just, and I'm sure this is like, because it's a big Hollywood studio. And also what the fuck is up with like the WWE studios? That was yeah, the that's what I thing. said too. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like wrestling, that's so weird. wrestling entertainment, like helped make this movie bizarre. Like there were no wrestlers in it that I know of. No, nobody was in this one. So I was like, that's weird, but. But like, we don't need the title card that says 11 years earlier. Like we get it. We can mm -hmm. see that they're like, it's just that sort of shit that like just kills me. Like I hate it. My, one of my least favorite devices ever. Every time it happens, Joe like looks at me because it's when something's happening and then it goes 24 hours earlier. <laughs> and then like mm -hmm. you go like, just be creative and how, and like make me realize it mm -hmm. without having to spell it out for me. But I'm sure. Even if a director wanted to do that, I bet a studio is like, no, you have to put it in because audiences are dumb, <laughs> you yeah. know? So I don't blame Mike Flanagan, but I love Mike Flanagan. And the first time I saw this, I did not like it. And then oh, wow. everyone was talking about how great it was. And as it's a theme in this episode, while I was coming down off acid ones, I watched it again. <laughs> uh -huh. 
and I loved it. And I was like, wow, I don't know why I didn't like it the first time. I think it's because of the, the bleeding stories or the like the past informs the future or I, I don't know. It also has one of my least favorite tropes, which is the accidental killing of a loved one. Mm hmm. Like we've seen an inside and it happens in the descent. Like, I don't know if it's because the idea of it is so frightening that I hate it. Like if there's mm -hmm. a reason I hate it, like in a deeper level, as opposed to like, oh, this trope. Like, I wonder if it's because that is like one of the most horrifying things that could happen. And that's why I don't like it. I don't know. Sure. But it drives me nuts when that happens in movies. It, jumping off that though when she does it and it's her fiance or boyfriend or whatever it turns out is who she killed like i didn't care because you don't spend any time with that character so i'm like okay That's that doesn't true. that doesn't hit very hard so i feel like that is very tropey but that sorry guys spoilers the very ending when her brother realizes he killed her and the mirror is still like fine because she was standing in the way and it's the exact same the, just the end of this movie hit me so hard Talking about like random scenes you're not expecting to like emotionally hit you like that. Like the end of this movie got me like real, really in the feels, as they say, because it was just like he's getting dragged away. The music starts playing the like the whole idea of like destiny is destiny. Fate is fate. And he was never going to get away from what he's become because of the mirror. It's I wondered if how that would hit like after like this is my third time seeing it. So like. I know how it's going to end once you've seen it once you know where it's going to go. And I just wondered watching it, is it telegraphed so much that if you're watching it for the first time, you just know that's what's going to happen. But you didn't necessarily. No, going, like, no, I didn't. As soon think... as you see that thing, you're not like, oh, it's going to kill one of them. No, you know, I didn't go there. I don't know. Okay. I didn't go there. I didn't realize, I didn't think it was going to be that kind of movie, I guess, at that point. Okay. Because it was still okay. a little bit like Ghostbusters going on there with like, we got our contraptions, we're going to catch these ghosts. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess it's going to be kind of sitting in that realm where they're fighting some, kicking some paranormal ass. Uh, and then a little later, the movie went all fucking, what is it, with the phrase we've been using, cosmic horror. Uh, is really where it starts leaning into where you're like, oh yeah, this is a head trip of like, what is reality? The mirror is like fucking with reality itself for them. Just wild. The lady with the mirror eyes too. She was freaky at first. Then it did the trope that I hate. My, one of my personal peeves is the scary monster shows up and has the voice of their dad. Like I hate when a scary thing comes and it has a voice of somebody that scared you from your past or something like that. Like that's just... Mm. I don't know. It it just it's too jarring. Where it's like scary zombie lady, and then like dad's like you dumb kids, and I'm like okay, that's not scary. Like that's just like shut up, dad. Uh, I, I yeah, I don't know why that one falls flat for me. I can't remember. Have you seen Haunting of Hill House? Part of it. I didn't get to finish oh, okay. it. I didn't get to finish the series because that lady is his wife, and she's also in a lot of his other movies. She's in Haunting of Hill House. Okay, I think she's in Bly Manor. And she's in, I think she's also in Absentia, which I really love, mm -hmm. and Gerald's Game. And did you oh, read sure. the IMDb trivia? No, I didn't. The mirror, which I love the name of the mirror. What is it? The Lesser Glass or something mm -hmm. like that? Like, I love that name. I love, I don't like all of her spelling out the history with all the pictures. Like, I'm like, okay, can we like speed through this a little bit? Yeah, everybody that owned it died. Yeah, I did love when they were talking about it in like the auction. Like, I love all of that mystery sort of leading up to it. But the mirror is involved in every one of his movies after this. Like, it's like oh. part of the headboard in Gerald's game. It's somewhere in Dr. Sleep. Cool. Like, it's in like Hill House. Like, he always incorporates the mirror, which I think is so cool. That's cool. There was, though, a moment where it's early in and her brother's convincing her that she's just crazy there was no ghosts or whatever like and he's like go turn the equipment off turn off the kill switch and i was like that's something a mirror monster would say so i thought he was gonna turn <laughs> out to i thought he was gonna turn out to be like possessed right then or something like that but i was that's where i was going with it i kept thinking things were gonna get crazy sooner than they actually did yeah, it takes a while for sure. And it's yeah. based on a short film called Oculus Chapter 3, The Man with the Plan, which you can watch on YouTube. It's about 30 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty much this movie, but with one guy in a room. And I, 
I'm pretty sure because I had seen it before and I didn't really I watched just the end of it this time, but it's I think it's all from the cameras that he like sets up. I think. Oh, okay. In the trivia, I guess that the studios said if he wanted to make a found footage film that they would have backed it like 10 years earlier than they did. Or mm-hmm. something like that, but he didn't want to make it found footage. Okay, so he held off for a while. But this was his first like mainstream film, which sort of catapulted him into mm-hmm. everything else. The only movie of his I've not finished is Before I Wake, which I tried to watch and I thought it was so dumb. Mm-hmm. But I've heard it's pretty good, and I really love him. I love like the heart in his movies, and he almost always deals with like family, and he often covers addiction. He doesn't really hear, but. I just appreciate his character building and that there's just more behind everything. Like even in Dr. Sleep. I mean, I love Dr. Sleep for the addiction storyline and, and everything like that. We've talked about it. Like there's lots about it that I, I loved the first time that I didn't like so much on the second go around. And I was watching, have you ever watched those like everything wrong with videos? On yes. YouTube? Yeah, I, yeah. I find them so funny. I post them sometimes in my gay horror group and people get so pissed off about whatever movie I posted. That movie's great. What is he talking about? I'm like, it's funny. Like yeah. it's a comedy thing. Yeah. It's not like he does it for movies that are brilliant. Like, mm-hmm. so it's fun either way. If a movie's really horrible or a movie's really good because lots of what the cinema sins guy says are very funny. But one of his gripes that he talks about in his video for this is that the definition of Oculus doesn't really fit in here because it's either a circle or oval window, a circular opening at the top of a dome or an eye. But I actually think that that works because I think the mirror is sort of like an eye. Yeah. And, you know, she has the mirror eyes, the like ghosts or all the ghosts. They have the mirror eyes. So I love their eyes. I thought they were creepy. Yeah, that was real creepy. Yeah, I dug that. And her ponytail was so funny in the beginning. It was like, whoop, 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 whoop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I like the music. It has that sort of like pulsing electro sound. Yeah, it's really it. real cool. There were moments where there were musical stings in there that reminded me a little bit actually of Phantasm since I just rewatched that oh. where I wonder if that was an influence because Phantasm has a pretty unique soundtrack, but it uses similar these like pulsing that come in like noises like throughout the movie that that. i'm like i was thinking yeah maybe they listened to that one and got a little inspired here in the very end when they're taking both versions of the boy away Mm -hmm. i cannot imagine that when the little boy when they came and found the dad dad that they would have dragged him away like they did there like they were dragging him away like they'd walked in and he'd cut his sister's throat or something like something where they're like this kid's fucked up but like if you came into that situation with like the dead mom and the dad shot you would take the kid in and be like what happened it wouldn't be a situation like they showed it like i was like this is not quite right yeah it, it reminded me funny enough i just rewatched uh child's play 2 the other night uh, and there's a similar scene like that where the the, the foster dad dies. Yes, Chucky yes. kills the foster dad, and the mom comes. The, the foster mom comes down and has like the biggest overreaction to Andy. Where I'm like, regardless of him being a troubled child, you wouldn't immediately be like, "You murdered my husband!" and like <laughs> scream at him. You'd be like, "What happened, small child? Like this is terrible." He trips falling down the stairs, right? Well, yeah, or like Chuck, Chucky, Chucky trips him, trips him yeah. and he breaks his neck. But yeah, it, it's like an overreaction that you're like, this does not ring true at all. Like regardless <laughs> of like him being a troubled boy. And it's similar what you're saying. I feel at the end there too, where they're just like, look at this serial killer. Like when they come in and grab the small boy, you're like, they wouldn't throw him in the back of a cop car like that. They yeah, would question yeah. him first. And also I watched an interview with Mike Flanagan and her name is pronounced Karen Gillen. I Gillen. know we were debating because I, I thought there was an I towards the end. I thought it was Jill. Yeah. Her. Yeah. But it's Gillen. Yep. All right. And she's the only gal that he wanted for this from the get go. He just okay. kept pushing for her. And mm. he really wanted to like talk a lot about like family tragedy and how it affects you all throughout your life. So and that all makes sense. You know, there's Mm -hmm. definitely like, I mean, I know in the movie he's like haunted and the wife is haunted, but like you could go into the fact of like, you know, an abusive childhood and all of that is sort of a a parallel and such. But 
And I know part of it's like the mirrors doing and how everything is like by the end of the movie, the past is the future, the future is the past, like everything comes together. And I could hear Matthew McConaughey in uh, the first season of True Detective when he's like, time is a flat circle. Like that's what I could hear in my head was, you know, an idiom like that that's really meaningless, but it's like, yeah, everything's circular. It's all. I want to watch that again. It's all snake eating itself. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a great. Isn't the end so fucking trippy? Isn't it? It's incredible. It's one of the greatest endings I think of anything like ever. I need to rewatch it. I, I heard the second it. season's horrible. Second season is just an entirely different beast from the first one. And I started three. True Detective season one was like a crime serial killer drama police procedural, but it had like cosmic horror. Like it had yeah. a real horror element to it. Season two is just straight like gangster crime drama. Mm-hmm. Like it does not have that real occult, like horror cosmic feel mm-hmm. that the first season did. So, I mean, like you said, you pretty, you got the ghosts in the mirrors. Yeah. Art, right. And that hilarity ensues. I mean, you nailed those. So yeah, I was, I was laughing the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> um, connections between the two. I, I would I say, know. as we were talking like, about what's it, reality. I don't. Yeah, know. I was gonna say like the the atmosphere of paranoia of the two of them, because as as Arthur then Tony is living his life, he doesn't know who to trust. What's going on? As he's finding out, like, oh, that woman you thought is just like your new meat cute. Uh, she's actually working for the company and is here to keep tabs on you, like, and see yeah. what's going on. And so he slowly begins to realize everything's artificial, or maybe he doesn't know what is. Paranoia sets in, and that's kind of how this movie is too. Once the you realize what the mirror does, how the rules work, they don't know what's real. Everything's hallucinations. Maybe nothing's hallucinations. You don't know. So I say paranoia is paranoia is key. Is the key here between the two? The linchpin. Is that mm. right? The linchpin? Yeah, the linchpin. Yeah. Out of five light bulb apples, how many do you Ooh. give this? Oh, that was that was rough. I give this a oh, this is tough. I give it a three and a half. That is what I give it to. Wow, weird. There's just something like it didn't quite get there. You know, yeah. For me. For some reason, this was a movie that I'm like, though it is good and well made it's still rough enough around the edges that I'm like, this is somebody's first feature. It drags a little bit in the middle, but overall pretty good. Yeah. Three and a half scare of approval. Another scare of approval. We got another episode with a double scare of approval. Yeah. I got to break yeah. this shit up. I got to, I know. Something you hate. I was, I was thinking you probably wouldn't like this as much as you did. So I'm glad you, you did. I, I spent moments like, towards the beginning and in the middle where I thought I was by the end going to be pretty lukewarm about it. But no, like as it kept going, I just got more and more into it. So that's what saved it. Like the last like act of the movie, I think is what really uh, uh, I was just hooked at that point. Is everything okay over there? I I don't know what just happened. (laughs) I know. I I heard it too. I don't know what happened. It was either the cats or my wife. (laughs) <laughs> well whatever it is i hope they're safe and i'm glad you so. are yep well please write us scaring sharing at gmail.com if you follow us on you know if you're on itunes i mean apple podcasts rate us review us subscribe to us do all the things i mean we, do if it. you do we appreciate it please yeah let us know send us an email what'd you think of these movies uh can anybody Help me figure out where I heard about Toby Hooper being a fan of seconds. If anyone yeah. has any leads, please email us at scaringissharing at gmail.com. Follow us on the Insta. And thank you for listening if you made it this far. And check out all of the other Planet Ant podcasts in the yes. Planet Ant multiverse. That's right. Well, Jeremy. As always, it's a pleasure. It is. It's a pleasure. You are a gentleman and a scholar. And you too. Uh, And keep sharing those scares, people. Watch more horror movies. Because scaring is sharing. Bye. See you later. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.